Welcome to the Jackets Online podcast. We're back. It is the ACC Championship edition of the Jackets Online podcast. As Georgia Tech wins the ACC title in Greensboro. They're headed to the big dance. Got a little bit of the shaft on the uh, seating for the tournament, but all in all, I think it's um, with the way the season started with the two losses to Mercer and Georgia State and, you know, a little bit of a, an ugly stretch, um, even I think in January, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing the way this team's rebounded and, um, you know, they're playing with house money now. Everyone's in the dance and they drew a tough bracket with uh, Illinois as the number one seed. They're an eight in a nine seed playing Loyola, Chicago, the Cinderella team from a few years ago. And, um, assuming they win that game, then they would face, uh, um, uh, Illinois in the, the 32 game, um, in the second round. So I, it's, it's been a wild, uh, 24, 48 hours for Georgia Tech basketball. When you say Russell, I mean, they go from the high of having the Virginia game canceled. They beat Miami in kind of a, a um, closer game than, than probably should have been. And then turn around and, and upset Florida State and then f- somehow finish behind other teams in the seedings, which was kind of strange. Yeah, I would say it definitely was um, strange the way that everything kind of played out in terms of the, the seeding. Um, but you know, you were talking briefly about the the way the ACC tournament went. I remember the the morning the UVA game was getting canceled, and I, I was like panicking frantically, trying to figure out how we were going to be able to um, you know to cover it and get it on the site and everything because you know everybody knows who's a member of the site that you're the night person who's up until about four a.m. I'm the not four a.m. I'm up not about- up till four a.m. Come on. I mean, I'm the morning person who gets up about 5.30, 5.45. And um, just the, the combination of the two, uh, you know, we were able to get it. I was able to get, get through your do not disturb. And we were able to get something up. Um, but but that from that point, you know, it was just that. And then just seeing the way the team played against Florida State uh, on Saturday night, uh, you know, they struggled really, really bad from the three-point line. Um, but they were able to to make up for it with uh, several steals, you know, just, just playing great team defense and, and, you know, really making plays when it counted. Um, I tweeted maybe, I think there was maybe five or six minutes left in the game and Georgia Tech was in the bonus. And that was when you could really tell that, you know, they were going to get to the free throw line pretty consistently. Everybody talks a lot about TV Teddy and his, you know, his wackiness and strange calls at times, but, I thought he called it pretty down the middle. You know, there was no Carolina teams in the final for the first time in a while, so they didn't know what to do. Um, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they were able to make free throws, you know, consistently, especially, you know, that was something that it seemed like fans were a little bit worried on. I was I was perusing the game thread throughout, you know, and it, they seemed to be really worried because, you know, Moses had started out pretty cold from the free throw line. And, you know, it looked like he may have had a talk with himself or one of the assistant coaches talked to him or something. And, yeah, he was 0 yeah, for 3 to start. Yeah, and he, he got the arc, arc back on his shot and started making them. And, uh, you know, I, that was the that was a big point as well. Um, but, you know, in all, Loyola-Chicago is, is, is going to definitely be a, an interesting matchup. And then, you know, looking forward, if they are able to come out on top on that one, you know, Illinois just won the Big Ten championship with, with they delayed the brackets being unveiled. 
Yeah, it was a, that was a curveball for all of us, including um, the media call with Georgia Tech that was scheduled for 6.30, and they got announced, I think it was like 6.25 or something. I literally launched the Zoom and had it in the background, and um, it was funny. The SID Mike Flynn, he was like, I almost forgot that we were doing this because the game got pushed back because uh, he had to set it up because they're out on the road. So it was, it was sort of a funny kind of everyone was sort of flummoxed I think when with the timing being so compressed to try to get all that information processed kind of figure out the bracket look at who where they seed uh look at where everyone else was seated because literally we started our presser I think they were doing the last bracket which might have been the east one and um you were you were seeing like that Louisville didn't make it and like all this different stuff so it was, it was kind of interesting to see um how did that happen? How did they not make it? Yeah. I think they played like crap down the stretch and the ACC doesn't get a lot of respect because I'll be honest, I think if Duke or Carolina were good and you swap them with like Florida State right now, um, all of these teams would have been seated higher. I think it's a lack of respect for teams like Virginia and Florida State who've laid a couple of eggs this year but are very good teams and are very dangerous in the tournament. It'll be interesting. Cause like I could see a lot of these teams making a run. Clemson got like the gimme bracket, the one that Georgia tech should have been in. They play, um, God, who's in their first round. They're playing, uh, where is it? The seven ten game. They're playing, um, uh, Rutgers. Who's who I wanted to see Georgia tech play because Rutgers fans have a, a real um, dislike of Jose Alvarado because they feel like he should have been their player uh, when Syracuse turned him down and Georgia Tech swooped in and got him and they cry a lot of foul. The problem with that one though, Clemson will run into a complete buzzsaw with Houston because Houston's unbelievable right this year. And yeah. the way they play would that, would, that would be a tough matchup. So maybe they dodge a little bit of a bullet. Illinois is not a great matchup. Um, the big man Kofi, he's a he's a handful. Their their main guard uh, is a handful. So, you know, I I think this is a weird year because there's not as much of a a resume for everyone to see how they looked against each other because there were less tournaments, there were less um, situations where you saw um, really kind of an even um, field of games where you got to see teams play each other because the, the offseason was so weird with how they did the games and all of that stuff so to me I think um, it's going to be really interesting to see how good you're gonna, I think you're going to find out like how good some of these conferences are how good is the Big Ten like do we really know um, yeah. you know how good is uh, Big Ten got nine teams and uh, Big 12 got seven the ACC got seven how good are those you know seven Big 12 teams um, I, I know that the ACC teams, the, you know, the SEC was kind of down without Kentucky. And you have a, a really interesting Alabama team there that shoots 400 threes a game. Like, how is that going to work in a tournament when you're on a strange court? And possibly if they're playing in, say, like, like Lucas Oil, which is the cult stadium where the later rounds will definitely be played, how do they handle that? Like, how do they handle that shooting background? They seem to me to be a team that could be really susceptible to, to stuff like that. So it's going to be interesting. I thought the conference tournaments games were pretty interesting. The, the 
the Illinois Ohio State game was pretty good. Um, watching the I watched the most of the LSU Alabama game that was pretty good. Houston Cincinnati was not good. The the American yeah. that was just yeah. a beat down. The game last night was great for Georgia Tech because that was national TV. A lot of people were watching, and they got to see and something I tweeted about after the game is they got to see healthy Jose Alvarado for the first time on in that stage in a long time where this kid that's a really dynamic defensive player and sort of the heart and soul of this team, you got to see what he can do uh, in the open court, his defense that's stellar. And, and hopefully maybe that pushes him over the edge. He's up for the defensive player of the year award. Um, and, you know, he's, he's a guy that, I think it's very much in that conversation nationally. And I hope that Jose gets um, got a little recognition that helps maybe push him into the minds of more people with his performance. I think that, you know, people are starting to see what Jordan Usher can do. I was a huge advocate of Jordan Usher when they brought him in. I thought it was a really good fit for the program. They played like a crazy person for, you know, the first year and had like no chill at all. It was just going like playing totally out of control. He's, sort of reined it in and really in the second half of this season. And he's a guy that's really interesting to me because I think if he came back, he could be an all ACC player and be like a really dominant player. But I don't know if, if he's going to do that or not. And something we've talked about, I've mentioned on the board to people and, and to some buddies in the coaching world is I'll be curious to see if guys stay just because of COVID. Um, because borders are shut right now and there's not a lot of international opportunities. A lot of the smaller leagues are really pared down. Money situation is a little bit tighter than normal. Does that force some guys to go back for a, a you know, fifth season or sixth year in some cases? I don't know. It's good. That's going to be kind of an X factor with this team going forward too. Like, can Josh keep one or two of these pieces together? Can he keep Usher and Mike DeVoe, who's a, a junior who won the ACC tournament MVP? Uh, somewhat surprisingly over Jose Alvarado, but, um, you know, can you, can you keep that core intact for one more year? Cause I think if you do with the pieces they're bringing in, that's a really interesting team next year without them, it's going to be interesting to see who they bring in in the portal. So uh, this is a great time though, because Josh now has something to sell, right? They got to the tournament. They won an ACC title. He's never, I think people don't realize he's done all this recruiting the team's been awful really, or mediocre or sort of average. Like they've not been good in the last decade. Uh, pl really plus they had the one last run with Hewitt with Derek favors and Chump, but they, they've just not been, they, this was not the team of the nineties or even the team that went to the final four. Like they, they're so far removed from that. These a lot of it happened before these kids were born. So it's like, most of it happened before any of these kids were born. So it's like, you need to have something new to sell them. I think that's going to be really interesting to see how they cash in on that in terms of recruiting and being able to bring in some high level kids. And then also being able to bring kids back to the ATL too, like Jordan Usher and Kyle Sturdivant, who played a big role last night too, off the bench. You know, both of them went to USC, both of them come back in two different years and are sort of the key cogs, uh, one of the future in Sturdivant and one of the present in Jordan Usher. So a lot to kind of think about, look at when you, when you kind of break down how this team is built. They're built like a team that does well in the tournament, but you got to get out 
the hardest game a lot of times is just winning that first game too, man, surviving. And you're playing a Loyola team that according to all of the metrics that people like to use, like Ken Palm and, and the net and all that stuff, they're very highly ranked. Now they played one really good team all year, Wisconsin, and they lost by I think 12. Um, so what does that mean? Like, I don't know. Like they've not been tested in the same way that a Georgia tech has. So will that pay dividends? Will the tech guys be tight? You know, they played a little bit tight in the Florida state game. They played tight in the Miami game. Uh, are they going to be more relaxed uh, in Indy? I don't know. It's there's a lot to think about uh, Russell. And, and I think it, it, this is a, a team that's very dangerous, but it's also a team that could flame out very easily too. Yeah, I think that's a that's a very good way to put it. And you know, there's there's been like you said so much talk about you know Georgia Tech seed, you know, even just so far in this podcast. But you know, Loyola Chicago feels like they kind of got shafted a bit on the seed line too. I believe they were ranked pretty in the in the top ten in Ken Palm. Uh, but like you said, you know, they really didn't play anybody. They, they kind of like uh, the like uh, the Louisville baseball team who went came to Atlanta last weekend having not played a um, power five opponent and you know they came in with these inflated batting averages uh, slugging percentages and rbi numbers and everything and you know they've been they, they left with a uh, a pretty you know, i wouldn't say average performance but you know they, they left knowing a lot more about themselves than they did going in and i think that's exactly what's going to happen in the first probably four minutes in the in this game which is going to be on friday but we still don't have a time correct uh, no, they have not announced the time as of our recording at 10.15 or whatever. We were told they might come out tonight, but um, you just don't know. Um, yeah, so, I mean, because you know, that's, that's, that's a good minute. They're really going to get a feel for each other, you know. Uh, Moses is going to get a feel for how he can do, you know, offensively. Because that big man, you know, at, at times on Saturday, he seemed to be, I wouldn't say pressing, um, but you know he was he was he would go right at the uh, the big man for Florida State who had you know I think a few inches on him. Um, but it, this matchup with Loyola Chicago, if the kid is accurately measured at six foot nine, uh, it's a pretty even matchup. And um, you know he w- he won't be as undersized as he has been at times. Um, you know in terms of that, I think it's actually a, a good matchup. You know Loyola Chicago is a very good defensive team, but. They don't have a, a big man who's getting 20 and 10 a night and, you know, is going to punish right in the post. And that's something that's big because, you know, Rodney Howard played and played well at times in the ACC tournament and even towards the end of the ACC play. But is he ready for this stage and this moment, you know, as a, what is he, a COVID freshman? Is that what they're calling him? I mean, he technically played a couple of games last year at Georgia and then COVID sophomore? i guess so yeah technically so he'll be a sophomore again next year but yeah rodney's not not played much but he came up really big in that miami game for them but granted they weren't he wasn't going against the caliber of guys even they played against with florida state inside um so yeah it's going to be interesting to see you know if moses can channel moses talked about this with us on thursday maybe of last week um, maybe Friday, he just has no like um, bank of knowledge of playing in these types of games or playing in pressure games or being in a tournament or any of that stuff because he's played in what 
you know, two ACC tournaments in his career. They lost both games in the first round. They didn't play last year and he played in two this year. So his four, four ACC tournament games, he played in one regional high school basketball game. And his team was like so awful that he was on his senior year that they lost. Like, I think, I don't even know if they won a game. I can't remember. They had a really terrible record and he was like one and done there too. So like, you know, Jose's played in tons of tournaments. Mike DeVos played in a lot of them. Jordan Usher, the same, you know, Moses doesn't have that bank of even high school knowledge of being in big game situations. Now he's been a clutch player throughout his career. So um, it'll be interesting to see how he can channel because his emotions are so um, much a part of like what happens with his game that uh, if he starts playing well and gets going, gets downhill, then he starts to dominate when he stifled early, he tends to get thrown off. And you saw that in the Florida state game, he's missing free throws. And I think he was in his head a little bit. Um, and you know, that's where he's got to take that next step too. If he wants to play professional basketball and be a, be the kind of guy he wants to be in his life. And, you know, that's where I wonder, man, if like all these kids came back for another year, somehow, like they would have an amazing team next year when you add Debo into this group, but I just can't envision like, you know, Moses, right. Turning down, maybe, I mean, let's say they win two games in the tournament and he gets some, they're in the sweet 16 and he's, you know, gone toe to toe with like the Cockburn kid and um, the kid from Loyola uh, and, you know, got the better of those two guys, his stock's going to be up. Now he's probably a second round draft pick, but he's a freaky athlete with a lot of upsides. That's what the NBA likes. Like they'll put that guy in the G league and see what he can do. You know, like he's not necessarily, he might even get drafted, but he'll get a chance to play in the G league guys like Jose. It's a lot different. And Mike DeVoe, um, Mike's sort of shown all of the flaws in his game, but he hasn't improved enough on them year to year. So you wonder like if he just has a ceiling as a shooter, like an outside shooter at the next level, that's, and he's going to be a guy that plays in Europe or if he can kick it up and be an NBA guy, he has like, he's right on that fringe of talent. Uh, and Jose's a guy that would, uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago would have been a first round draft pick in the NBA with his game being a six foot, a little bit under six foot point guard. That's good at stealing the ball and handle has a great handle that's not valued very much anymore. You look at the guys who play point guard, you're seeing Giannis and James Harden and these guys that are massive volume scores and can pass, but they're not, you know, they're not five foot nine, 10, 11, or whatever he is. They're not, you, there's just not a huge amount of smaller point guards in the NBA anymore. So it's tough for him, but he's got a kid. So does he want to go play in Europe or whatever, you know, because that kid li lives and breathes basketball. So it's going to be interesting to see what those guys do. Usher's a freaky athlete guy, but again, he's a guy that would really benefit if he comes back and becomes an all ACC level guy, then he can maybe play his way into the draft with his skill set. He's got to improve his shot. Like if he can get his shot to, if he can shoot consistently 36 to 40% from three, that puts him in the NBA, in my opinion, um, with his raw skill set. But, you know, it's going to be the thing is, I'm not making these decisions. I don't know any of these kids' situations. Um, 
you know, Usher's shooting 28.6 this year from three, you know, and averaging 11.5. That's not a guy that I think is getting drafted, but it's a guy who could play yeah. for a long time in Europe. Right. And it, it comes down to, you know, with, with that kind of stuff, you know, just how much, how much do you love the game? I mean, you know, if, if basketball is your life and your only real, like, you know, your only real gateway out, you know, that's where it becomes an issue. You know, Jose Alvarado is going to have a, a degree from Georgia Tech to go with, along with his, you know, his talent on the basketball court. And, you know, so is, so is Usher. And, you know, so if they do decide that they want to, you know, come back for another year, you know, improve on the things that, you know, you were talking about Usher and his shooting. Um, I'm not quite sure exactly all of the things that Jose would need to work on if he did come back. But Jose's in a tough you know. spot just because physically, I don't know um, where he would fit in. Um, in in terms of the professional game, it's just a, that's sort of a weird thing with him. Like in his game, like how does he fit? Um, and, you know, that's my take on it. I'm tr- I mean, I'm trying to rack my brain. Like all even the shorter point guards in NBA history in recent years have been volume scores like a Nate Robinson. Now he's taller than Nate Robinson was, but um, yeah. I mean, can you think of like a, a guy that's a, a main point guard anywhere that's that size off the top of your head. That's not an elite shooter. Um, um, oh, what's his name? TJ McConnell comes to mind, but he comes off the bench. Um, I don't know, like you said, you know, from a primary standpoint, at, at that size, I'm, I'm looking at the teams just to just to look. I mean, most of the guys are like six three or better, man. Uh, you know, yeah, that's or really they can shoot, or they shoot insanely, right? Like, because like yeah. Steph Curry's considered a short guy, and I think Steph's like six two, six three. Like, yeah, you know, so. That's- but if you go back changed. to the 80s, I mean, if, not even the 80s, if you go back to like the year 2000 and look at like who the starting point guards were in the NBA, there were a bunch of guys that were, you know, 5'10 to 6'2. And, you know, decent shooters, guys who could shoot free throws like Jose could facilitate. But there's not a lot of um, dudes like that anymore. And the guys who are shorter have to be like insane shooters, which he's yeah, not. Like Kemba Walker is the first one that I thought of, you know, just um, thinking about, you know, his college career and then just what he's been able to do in the NBA. You know, he tried to carry the Charlotte Hornets for so long and now he's on the Boston Celtics. But, I mean, even, even I think he may be over six, but I think he may be six and one. Um, but, you know, just with, with Jose's, the, the way he plays the game, you know, he could play for a long time in Europe, but is his family going to want to go over there or is he going to, be able to take his kids over there and that's that's the that's the type of that's a personal conversation him and his family need to have you know i just just i'll say one thing about you know the the moment after the game yesterday i think that that was um i wouldn't call it it made i wouldn't say it made george Tech like a cinderella or anything like that um but it definitely caught the attention and they probably gained some fans just by seeing the the raw emotion um from him and then uh, post game interview from Pastner and just his overall quirkiness and that in that stage and, and right after winning such a big game. I enjoy that they played Josh's voicemail. Like I, because it's one of those things like 
there's only a, some of us that deal with them so the main people who talk to them are national writers like the like people like the, um goodman or dan wolken or whoever and then there's like me and ken and like a few other people that talk to him pretty regularly and we all hear this these voicemails that are crazy and my wife it was funny because she liked josh for a long time and then she heard his voicemail and it freaked her out she thought it was like super weird and i was trying to explain to her that like it's just his personalities that way um by the way last six foot point guard that was really good is um chris paul yeah you have yeah, to go to chris pretty paul. good yeah that's crazy but, you gotta go that far back again you know he was drafted in 2005 so um you know and by the way tre- tremendous um defensive player and offensive player much better more complete offensive player in some ways probably not as good yeah. of a three-point shooter in college i don't even got to think about that it's been you know i was in i was in college when chris paul played we're like almost contemporaries in age so um he's a few years uh he's i've got like about four years on him but um like we're about the same so that's how like old chris paul is so that's how far you have to go back but that show goes to show you though, like what the league was like in, in, you know, 2005 or whatever and how it's evolved. But, you know, this is really interesting um, to see what, what happens now. They drew a shitty, they drew a shitty uh, draw in the tournament. They got a, a tough slate, but you're, they're happy to be in. They want to win and they have the makeup of a team that does well in the tournament. So it's hard to, to be down on that. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, I think there is something about that. And I think if you get, as the board likes to say, the good Mike DeVoe and he's scoring 15 plus points at a decent clip without shooting the ball 20 times, I think that, you know, they're in good shape, but man, it was funny. The, my favorite thing looking back from last night is, uh, something that Leonard Hamilton said in his post game which was Leonard, they asked him about what changed between the first half and the second half. And he said that Georgia Tech just went downhill and attacked the basket and tried to get fouled. And it was funny because watching the first half when Khalid Moore shoots four first half three-pointers, each time he caught it, I'm like, no, don't shoot the ball to myself watching him. Uh, you know, that, it, that was the guy they were leaving open. And you know, like, he was not the guy to be taking that shot. He needed to just drive to the rim um it was funny because they pull him out of the game they put kyle in kyle played the final 15 minutes of the second half and that's what they did it went downhill they attacked they were able to get some good looks they turned the ball over a little bit more um in that half but they were getting to the basket i feel like uh, um they scored 11 points in the first half in the half court on offense that was it all their points were in fast break transition or transition buckets. Like they were not half court offense. So I think the, the, there were the three threes they hit and one, two were the half court offense, the first half, which was pretty terrible. Cause I think there were like three of 14 from three or something. In the first half, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe that's what it was. <laughs> so like that, you know, you're struggling that much, but their defense keeps them in game. So that's, that gets really interesting in the tournament and they're not matched up in, where they're playing like Alabama or one of those schools that shoots 97 threes a game. So 
I think that's a little bit more in their favor too. Like you wanted to not play a team that does that. Cause that's, I think where they really struggle is again, that's why they struggled against Mercer. Let's be honest. Mercer got hot from outside and shot them out of the game. Um, Cause they were trying to compete and shoot threes with them. And that's just not the way this team's built right now. So they can get hot and shoot threes, but they're not a team that's going to go out and, and blind you a three pointer. So it's going to be interesting. Um, I'm planning to be on the ground in Indianapolis. Uh, we have Georgia tech pro day on Wednesday and then tech's supposed to play Friday. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, we plan to cover the whole tournament. So as long as they're there, I'll be there. And, uh, hopefully it's a long run. I've warned my wife, um, that, you know, I'm going to be in and out and, I'll come back between because there's a long break between usually the Sunday and when they play again. So, um, yeah. you're not going to stay the whole time. No, I don't. I have no interest in being in a, in a hotel room and I've spent plenty of time in my life in the hotel rooms in Indiana. I'm, I'm good on that. Um, <laughs> but you know, as people don't know, Russell and I normally would have to travel a lot, me in particular, and during all of this COVID stuff, we really clamped back, but now it's starting back up for us uh, with Rivals camp season coming soon for football. And it's, uh, it's going to be interesting for all of us as we start to, to hit the road again for the first time in over a year uh, in a real way. Yeah. You know, I went to a couple of football games in the fall. I went to all of the football games except for the Syracuse one because the COVID measures at the time in, in New York were so um, strict that it was almost impossible to go for, for me to go to the game. Uh, but I went everywhere else. And then for basketball, I went to, I think, three row games this year and I planned to go to two other ones that got canceled. So, you know, we're trying to get back in the swing of things safely, um, you know, with, with, taking precautions uh, on our end to, to what we're comfortable with. And then hopefully, you know, the rest of the year when football rolls around in August, hopefully over the summer, we have camps at Georgia tech and other camps that we can go to. And then come the fall, things get more to a normal point where we have, uh, you know, we can travel and go see the Chaden Peary's of the world who we didn't get to see play football this year, you know, and this tournament, I think, is sort of a testing ground to see how that goes for us, and hopefully it goes okay. Um, I'm excited about covering my first NCAA tournament. Georgia Tech went literally when um, the first year I was covering the team, but uh, at the time that all of that was happening, um, my first son was about to be born, so I did not, like, I didn't go to the ACC tournament. And I did not go to the NCAA tournament that go around. So I have not covered an NCAA tournament team in person in a really long time. So I'm excited about that. Um, and it it's, should be fun. I think that, you know, hopefully it doesn't end in one day. I think that'd be really disappointing and, and a little bit of a momentum killer. But that's the, the beauty of the NCAA tournament, man. As Jose Alvarado said in his press conference today, uh, his most vivid memory is Virginia getting knocked out 
by the 16 seed uh, in the in the opening round of the tournament, which would have been, I think, his freshman year. So I thought that was kind of funny that that was like his childhood memory was from like four years ago and not like, you know, remembering. Um, uh, I'm like trying to think of some like tournament from the like, you know, um, like yukon or, or whatever or yeah um it's funny that that his memory is that that speaks a lot to his uh <laughs> like how how jose's wired man like he's he wants to win and when he sees like crazy stuff like that i think it sticks in his mind that like you can do that but you know i would have thought he would have remembered like um when Kansas won with Bell Self or like the Jim Calhoun's last title or, you know, maybe those Louisville teams with Patino or something, something else like would have clicked or really actually even, I wouldn't have been surprised if he had talked about like, um, I think it was that same tournament when, or was the year before that Villanova won and that was close to his backyard. Um, that won their first one. Um, I think it was 16. And, you know, this is going to be an interesting experiment for everyone involved. Uh, the funniest part about all of this and covering it is um, like they want everyone in Indianapolis, but like Georgia Tech could be playing in West Lafayette, which is like 90 minutes north of Indianapolis, or they could be playing in oh Bloomington, which I think is an hour or something. Or they could be playing at one of the other arenas in Indianapolis. You're not necessarily in Indianapolis playing, so that's sort of a funky like piece of all of this as well. Does that kind of throw off the? Uh, I was going a little bit inside baseball here, but does that throw off the uh, the hotel reservations in your your neck of the woods? Does that make it kind of difficult for that? So I'm waiting to see like what where they're playing because they haven't even announced that they were supposed to announce that and they didn't. So I don't know which like where which location they're going to be in i know some people were projecting what they are but apparently that may not be the case um according to josh because josh josh didn't know where they were going to play either so um uh you know it'll be interesting to see like originally i think those games were supposed to be um in um I think the Midwest one was going to play in Indianapolis. So I guess we'll see if that happens or not. Um, you know, um, they were talking about playing. Uh, I think that Midwit, the, the Midwest one was going to play in um, Butler's arena, which I can't think of the name of it. Um, but Fieldhouse, right? Yeah. Something like that. Um what's it called hold on um but you know we who knows like i don't know if they're gonna i don't know what yeah so you know if they do that that's awesome if they're in west lafayette that's a little bit annoying because you know that changes a lot of travel stuff and that's much further away too so like if you wanted to drive that's a, a much longer haul from atlanta that's eight, nine hours in a car versus seven and to Indy. So yeah, a lot to consider. Um, 
you get towards West Lafayette, you're you're damn near an Akron. <laughs> well, it's funny because you're almost equidistance between Chicago and in Indianapolis there. Like you're a little closer to Indy, but um yeah. you know the it's you're closer to the the suburbs of Chicago than you are to Indianapolis um in some ways. Cause I had uh, my ex family, my ex wife's family, a lot of them were from north northern Indiana, northwest Indiana, and that's and we're Purdue people. So I know all about that area, but um, it's going to be uh, uh, hopefully a safe tournament. I I'm super curious. Chris Maxwell and a presser on Monday, they named Louisville as one of the four uh, rescue teams that could come in if someone goes out with a COVID. I'm wondering if he's telling them, like, going to tell them to like shove it <laughs> if they're not playing. I'm like super curious about all of this, how this all plays out. So uh, I think it's going to be a fun. Um, weird like everything else these days uh um ncaa tournament and let's just hope they get all the games in at this point man they've worked so hard to try to get games in that i think it should be fun if uh yeah if we get to see that anything uh recruiting wise that's on the hoof that we need to talk about real quick before we wrap up russell i mean just you know there were there were a couple um out of state kids that were you know, in Atlanta this weekend for some seven on seven tournaments. They, uh, they stopped by and saw the campus, you know, full details on those are on the Jackets online message board. You know, we think tonight is the, the last night, uh, Sunday night, but so probably by the time you hear this, the, is it, will the free trial be, be, it expires tomorrow, right? Uh, yeah. So I think it should still work through tomorrow. So you can sign up. Oh, and, awesome. And yeah, through the 15th so it should work until midnight tomorrow i think if it doesn't yeah. work and you sign up and you're for a new subscriber you can always email me or ping me on twitter or whatever or russell on twitter and we'll get you taken care of um yeah. i don't want to ice out somebody for um you know us being yeah. a little bit off on this but right no i agree um but the there's a four-star running back by let's say top 120 nationally um Offer some over the country who was able to walk around the Georgia Tech campus this weekend. And there was a wide receiver from Florida, I think it's 35 offers. Um, you know, he was on, on campus as well. And, you know, just, just being able to take advantage of that. Um, that's something that they weren't able to do last year during the pandemic. And that was when the dead period was like really, really dead. Like, because these kids, they couldn't, they were so afraid to go out because at that, that this point last year, we had, we no didn't idea. know. Yeah. No, people were we wiping down boxes COVID. and stuff you know like scared yeah. to open a package like we wiped our groceries off yeah like people were when we got home. soaking blueberries and baking soda and stuff like yeah i mean it's just excuse my language but shit was crazy it um, was yeah like there's yeah, no doubt about it now you're having these seven on seven tournaments with you know cam newton's team and and pylon and everything and you know, these kids are able to, to, to see that. They're able to see Georgia Tech's campus. They're able to take like a, a 15, 20-minute drive down and, and be able to, to walk around and, and take pictures with their family and, and think about what it may be if they actually do get to go back. Um, you know, just, just using that element. You know, that's, that's not the only seven-on-seven seven tournament that's going to be in Atlanta that's going to host all of these types of kids. And Georgia Tech has – they're probably going to set a record for 
um, most offers inside the state of Georgia for this class. But at the same time, they've also have some very, very targets high on the board. They have some targets very, very high on the board from outside the state who currently, given the climate, unless they're with the seven on 17 or, you know, luck into some money with their, their parents' stimulus checks or something, it's going to be hard for these, these families to be able to just pack up and get on a flight and go to Atlanta and check things out. So taking advantage of these opportunities is something that's really an advantage that Georgia Tech has, you know, whether it be during a, 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 de- a normal dead period or, or this kind of dead period, to have that, that amount of talent that close to your campus and for them to be able to just take a little sidestep and end up on campus and see things, see the facilities, see the stadium, see all of those types of things. You know, that's a that's a big factor, especially right now, when um, you know if the dead period does get extended again, which you know I've I've heard that it's not going to be that there's going to be some type of you know I don't know hybrid quiet period. There's going to be some type of thing that goes on with that where I'm not expecting the dead period to get extended again. Um, but these kids, they're still going to get squeezed in the next four to five weeks maybe even six weeks. And, you know, that's where these kids are going to be able to use the knowledge they gain on these types of business. Um, you know, that, that's really the, the big thing that's going on right now um, is, is kids getting squeezed, you know, quarterback recruiting is fast and furious and then slow and ominous at the same time with certain people. Uh, there's been a, there's been a, a very large increase in, the amount of narratives being pushed all over, whether it's in the state of Georgia, outside the state of Georgia, uh, there's just there's just a lot going on, um, especially with schools that either have one quarterback and they're, they're trying to tell the next kid that he's going to be their number one guy, even though they actually have their number one guy already committed, and kind of things like that. I mean, there's there's a lot going on, um, and then you know we've also got you know, several new offers going out. On a, on a pretty regular basis to, to, for Georgia Tech. They offered a, a tight end who's going to be a prep student. Uh, I think he was supposed to graduate last year, and he's doing a, a, a post-year graduate program at the, the HUN, I believe is what it's called. It's a school in, in New Jersey. Yeah, I, mean. I think that's right, yeah. Yeah, well, he's, gonna, he's there. Um, he was on campus at Michigan State this weekend. Uh, I believe him and his family are finalizing flights to Atlanta and it's coming week for his spring break they're going to be they're going to try to take a self-guided tour around the city and see things like they did with uh, East Lansing well that's uh certainly people are trying to get creative now to, to kind of work around things and keep their ball moving with their recruitment and that's sort of an encouraging sign that we may be getting closer to um, more of a normal recruiting schedule for on our end, which is uh, something we've been missing. It's, it's a little bit hard to do our jobs when kids don't visit. Like, I think it's um, something that's very tough. So it'll really help Russell out. It'll make his job a lot more interesting uh, once these kids are able to take visits and now that they're starting to get some real looks. So um, on that note, I think we'll wrap this up. Uh, it's been a little more basketball centric, obviously football, uh, spring ball starts, uh, a week from Tuesday, the 23rd of March. So right around the corner should be pretty interesting. Uh, any final thoughts, Russell? 
I think you you kind of touched on everything. You know, they've got the the pro day, uh, which is going to be the only real thing because you know there's no NFL scouting combine this year, so that'll be a big spot for any of the former Georgia Tech players who are you know, looking to get drafted or to continue their careers. Um, and then, like you said, spring football's right off the corner. And one way or another, whether they have you know open media availability or not, we'll we'll have everybody covered. That's a best part about our jobs is you know we were able to to build relationships and 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 have conversations with people that you know some other people may not be able to have about you know specific topics and things that go on um, during spring practice that you know, like I said you know other people may not have privy to it yep that is the insider scoop as they like to say and how how the jackets online was built was on the back of that um so open, closed, whatever, we do our best to bring you the scoop of what's going on. And we will always give you the best coverage of Georgia Tech athletics that we can. And uh, like I said, if you want to check it out, promo codes GT60, get it um, 60 days free of Jackets Online. Give us a test, taste test, so to speak, and see if you like it. Um, but for Russell, I'm Kelly Quinlan. This has been the Jackets Online Podcast. We will see you hopefully next week from Indiana. Thank you.